Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is October the 30th, 2020. We are just four days away, believe it or not, from Election Day. Wow. Uh, This has been probably the craziest election cycle that I could ever think of. This has been the most unusual administration I could ever imagine because the President of the United States, as he often likes to point out, not a politician, um, has done things uh, unconventionally, to say the least. One of the most unconventional things that he did, and that's what I want to talk about today, of course, is the impending election and my latest article for Front Page Magazine. I hope after the program you will all run to frontpagemag.com, check out my article. Uh, Usually I focus on immigration. Uh, Interestingly, not One time do I mention immigration in my article. My article focuses instead on science. Um, The uh, title for my article is Science Nazis Demand Obedience to Their Political Agenda. And the subtitle, we have seen this before. And, um, well, you know, why don't I start out by talking about my article? You know, I don't work with a script. I just like to sit down for this hour once a week, and just have a conversation with you. So why don't we just settle down? And and I want to start out with this article because it dovetails perfectly with where we have been throughout this entire presidency and where we have been throughout this election cycle and where the American people are. And I I have to tell you, um, the biggest thought that comes to my mind when I think about what has happened in the last four years is that we have witnessed the biggest con job probably in a century, maybe the history of our country. And no, I am not. I am not talking about President Trump. I am talking about his opponents. Because going back to what has made his presidency so unique is that unlike most politicians, and most of them are charlatans and magicians, yes, magicians, you know, the magician who promises to cut his very lovely assistant in half, And, of course, everybody knows he's not going to do it. If he does, he will kill her. He will go to jail. No one's ever going to work with him again. And God knows, maybe he had hoped to spend the evening with her. So he's certainly not going to hurt her. But to entertain the audience, he has to create a convincing illusion that he has sliced this hapless, gorgeous young lady in half. And at the end of the act, she jumps up on stage. She's fully intact. Not a hair on her head has been harmed, and everybody claps. Audience entertained. In politics, the politicians pretty much know what most of their constituents want, but they can't deliver on it. And that's why we are in trouble as a country. That is why so many Americans, and rightfully so, feel disenfranchised. I saw a poster not long ago. It was a picture of a lot of people, many, many people, and underneath it said, come back when you have a lobbyist. 
Why in the world would Americans in these United States need a lobbyist to be heard by their congressmen? Isn't that what the House of Representatives is supposed to do? Take into account the will of the people when they make their decisions? Representative democracy, this magnificent republic of ours? The problem is increasingly more and more money and more and more pressure has been applied to our, quote, representatives and our, quote, political leaders, some leaders, to do the bidding of the people with power. This is an oligarchy, and it's not a capitalist system. It used to be, but it's not a capitalist system. This is a social welfare system, but for corporations. It's a corporate welfare system. And I was recently on a radio program, and I got into it with the host of that show, And he said, Mr. Cutler, what are you talking about? America is a capitalism. We were built on capitalism. And I said, is it not true that in capitalism, the conservatives always like to say that capitalism only guarantees opportunity but never guarantees outcome? He said, that's absolutely right. That's how it's supposed to be. The socialists guarantee outcome. The capitalists guarantee opportunity. And I knew that this guy was about to go off the edge if I knew what I was going to say to him. I said, so there's no guarantee of outcome. He said, absolutely not. That is an anathema to capitalism. Capitalism can't possibly guarantee outcome. That's what the commies do. I said, okay, then please, please explain one simple concept to me. What in the world is the golden parachute you hire a high-powered, high-expense executive, and you tell him or her, we're hiring you, you got the job, but if for some reason we have to show you the door, you're walking out the door with 10, 20, 50 million, whatever the deal is. Isn't that a guarantee of outcome? Screw the pooch and you walk away rich? Haven't we seen it time and again? Companies driven into the ground, the genius at Boeing, what went on on all those other companies. Companies went bankrupt. Companies went from being the best in America to, you know, their stock is barely better than junk bond status now. How did that happen? And the poor people that lost their jobs when their companies were mismanaged were escorted out of the building by an armed security guard or guards with an S to make certain that these poor people who work their hearts out every single day for years, worked extra hours, slaved over weekends, worried about production and meeting the numbers, as they say in the corporate world, while they watched over them as they exited the building to make certain they didn't even take a pen with the company logo on it, or, God forbid, the stapler on his desk or her desk. But meanwhile... The executive that wrecked havoc on that company walks out the door with more money than probably all of his employees will get to see in a lifetime. Explain how that's consistent with capitalism. And suddenly, (laughs) the host of that program melted. He had no answer. Therein lies the problem. That's what we're witnessing with corporate America, with Silicon Valley. It's not about free enterprise. And if you look at the way they have a stranglehold on various industries, uh, it would seem to me to be in violation of the antitrust laws. It's against competition. How many small businesses are gone 
and Amazon is, is triumphing all over the place. I remember on one day during the COVID outbreak, um, Amazon's value went up by I don't know how many billions of billions, with a B, billions of dollars. One day, because COVID had shut down all these other businesses, but Amazon was, you know, humming right along. <clears throat> We've seen it time and again. Mom and pop stores can't compete with the big box stores, and COVID has really put nails in their coffins. The shutdown has been a gift to the major corporations, and it has been a nightmare for the mom and pop operations that don't have a cash reserve, don't have the opportunity to function, don't have politicians looking out for them because the politicians are all bought and paid for. God forbid Joe Biden wins. He needs a new position in his administration the official auctioneer. Now, I personally like the guy from Mecham Auto Auction. I think he's pretty good. But someone said that they like Barrett Jackson better. I don't know. I'm going to stick with Mecham. Of course, I'm being facetious, but with a lot of anger. This isn't how this government was founded. This country was founded. These aren't the principles of freedom and free enterprise and capitalism. It's like dealing with the organized crime groups. And it all happens because the politicians need the campaign money so that they can run for office, so they're beholden to the person that writes the check. So what we have here is an employer-employee relationship, and the lobbyists are the damn employees. You don't like the lobbyists? Well, I hate the employees because they're the politicians that take the money. And then you get these sanctimonious politicians who scam their constituents. I don't take PAC money, you know, PAC, Political Action Committee money. I only take the small donations. Well, that may be true, but the parties do take the PAC money, and what do you think the parties do with it? They distribute it to their loyal politicians. If you're not loyal, you get kneecapped by having your money cut off. It's happened to politicians. It's happened to politicians, both sides of the aisle. Don't toe the line, and you're gone. And it's remarkable that the leader in the House, the leader in the Senate, they give them a name. It sounds like a Tony Soprano enforcer, the whip. We're going to whip you in line or else, or else what? Taking your money. And along comes Donald Trump, and he says, shove your money, I got my own. Oh, my God. What does he think he's doing? Running for office with his own money? Doesn't want PAC money? Really? Well, you know right off the bat, this is a problem. Because he cannot be controlled, because nobody can call up President Trump and say, you're running for re-election, we're going to cut off your money. Okay, and? So, see, but if China calls up Joe Biden, if what we see about Biden is true, Biden will be doing the twist and shout in the Oval Office. Yes, sir. No, sir. I'll do it immediately, sir. How do we want me to do it, sir? You want me to jump? Absolutely. I'm old and feeble, but I'll try. I'll try to jump. Do you want me to hop or do you want me to jump on both feet? Because when you take money from unscrupulous people, perhaps take money where there was an illegal component to the way the money was transferred or what the expectations behind the money were, you are now subject to blackmail, to extortion. That's what's so damn scary about this, among other things. And so the first thing that we saw happen, and we've never seen this before, is censorship. You know, I'm a registered Democrat. Can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat because the Democrats aren't Democrats. But, I, you know, I, I, when I have my discussions with my buddies who are conservatives, and we are close friends, and we should be. We should be able to disagree on anything. That's the beauty of the First Amendment. 
and the extremists on both sides don't want the First Amendment. They want you to do what they tell you or else, and that is why when there's a revolution in the country, the first thing that the rebels grab control of after they control the airport so people can't come in from behind them and, and take them out, they gain control of radio and television, newspapers. Well, today it's the Internet, the means of communication. And, and I'm glad I'm, I'm seeing something happening that makes me happy because I've been on a one-man crusade to wipe out the notion of political correctness. That's a dangerous term. It's not political correctness. Strike it from the record. No political correctness. Call it what it is. You know what it is? Orwellian newspeak. Language that is designed to obfuscate the truth and confound any honest conversation about issues. 1984, Newspeak, that's what Newspeak did. It removed words from the vernacular because as you remove words, you remove the thoughts that the words represent because human beings communicate with words. Without words, you can't communicate. Without the Internet, in many instances today, you can't communicate. Twitter and Facebook, they have an iron fist control, and they censor what you put up there. They can send you to Facebook jail. It's kind of like the way the military operates. If you're on a top-secret base, I remember reading about the Manhattan Project and people were sending postcards home. <clears throat> the Army had censors sitting there making sure that nothing in the postcard would give away any secret material. So if the, if the guy told his mother or his father, Tom, Dad, I'm having a great time, and he, and he gave the location of the base, well, they may have claimed that there was no base there. That postcard did not get sent. Or they used special ink and blacked it out so thoroughly you couldn't see what he wrote. They redacted it. Twitter is doing that today. Facebook is doing that today. The Internet is doing that today. But they decide. Nobody elected them. They decide. They decide. The Associated Press has a style book. When I was in college, I majored in English, and we had a style book in high school also. Style books used to tell you how to do punctuation consistently, how to do footnoting how to do grammatical construction so that what you wrote was consistent and it was accurate and it was done properly. <clears throat> Today, the Associated Press style book also tells you what language is appropriate. That's called censorship. And Associated Press boasts, or at least they used to, you can find our style book, and it's also a computer program, in courtrooms, boardrooms, classrooms, uh, I forgot what the fourth one was, but you get the point. It's across the world. They're controlling the language. There used to be a science uh, fiction program on when I was a kid, Outer Limits. You know, we control the vertical. We control the horizontal. Well, here it's we control the language and we control your thoughts. That's where we are. And we're seeing it across a broad spectrum of issues, but it began with science. Now, it's interesting because I was originally uh, a science buff. I'm, I'm still very much into science. I started teaching myself astronomy in third grade. I planned to become an engineer. You know, sometimes you don't succeed. You know, there's a Yiddish expression that man makes plans and God laughs. But two of my four children are engineers. So I, I'm glad I can infect them with the science bug, if you will. I'm very proud of all of my kids. They're all really terrific. But it's kind of neat that two of my kids decided to pick up the, uh, the mantle and, and run with, with engineering the way I had planned to, had not fate intervened. <clears throat> but science has always been the quest for knowledge. There is a 
Big Bang Theory, not a Big Bang fact. Nobody was around. Nobody knows. But scientists infer what probably happened by doing experiments and devising equipment. And as we get better at technology, the experiments get more sophisticated and so forth. Albert Einstein had an incredibly sophisticated laboratory. It lived between his ears. What he did, he did with his mind. He would sit on a train, if you read his story, unbelievable story. And he would try to imagine what it would be like if a light beam was racing along next to the train. What would he see? What would he experience? <clears throat> he did all these great thought experiments. And that is really amazing. Um, so understand um, that he went from his theories of relativity and space-time to uh, explain the universe, explain gravity, you know. Gravity isn't just a force, and, and, and he explained how it worked, that it's kind of an indentation in the fabric of space-time, and black holes create gravity wells. And when black holes collide, you get gravitational waves. This was all theoretical, and he was laughed at in Germany. But the reason he was laughed at in his native Germany, more than any other reason, was the fact that he was a Jew. And we all know how that worked out in Germany. My family was decimated in the Holocaust in Poland. My first wife, uh, who died tragically many years ago, her mother was in a concentration camp. Her father's family was wiped out by the Nazi bastards. Um, and it started with censorship. It started with attacking the Jewish intellectuals, including Albert Einstein. And so that was why I wrote the article that I did about how science Nazis demand obedience to their political agenda. And the predication was an article that appeared written about Bill Gates, who complained about um, do the doctor that President Trump has been relying upon in, in order to, um, uh, you know, help with the COVID task force. And Gates ridiculed this poor doctor, and he even said about him that he was um, basically a charlatan. Now, Bill Gates is a guy who never completed a degree, never got his degree, never studied medicine. But, of course, this is Bill Gates. Might makes right. He's got all this money, and he gets to pull the strings, and he's been all over Africa and involved with vaccinations and all kinds of stuff. He's the, the 800-pound gorilla in the room. And so you have Gates going after the president for his choice of doctors, Dr. Atlas, who, by the way, is a medical doctor, and by the way, is also a professor at Stanford University, not an inconsequential school. But here is Gates, with no background in medicine, making proclamations and saying that this guy is a pseudo-scientist or a pseudo-expert, that he's gone off the rails. No, he's gone off the reservation because he doesn't believe necessarily in masks. Oh, how could you say that? So Gates is lined up with Fauci. Fauci is an interesting character. Fauci reminds me of the person that says, I've got to look right no matter what I do. So he goes to the racetrack and he buys a ticket for every horse at every race. And then when they announce the winners and people say, how'd you do, Tony? He digs through his tickets and he pulls out all the winning tickets that he hopes that nobody will notice all the losing tickets that he also has in his pocket. He has bounced his position from one side of the issue to the other. This isn't a big deal. This is a deadly disease. Face masks work. Don't bother with face masks. We're going to wind up with herd immunity. No, we won't. That's dangerous and stupid. Name the position on COVID, and Fauci's been there and done that. 
And Gates comes along and says, well, you either follow the science. And now Joe Biden says, follow the science. Whose science? Fauci's science? So what we have here is really censorship. It's intimidation. It's bullying. It's shaming. You don't believe in science. And we heard that before COVID where climate change was concerned. There are many physicists, and I've spoken to some of them, who absolutely do not believe that human actions on this planet have created a significant difference in climate. And there are other scientists who believe that it does. Well, that's okay. That's how it works. So you have a disagreement. You have to start to devise experiments to figure it out. In fact, if you go to my article, the front page magazine, you will see I had to include something about astronomy. I can't write about science without trying to find a way to bring astronomy into it. There is a star called Betelgeuse. It is a very big, angry-looking, red, pulsing star in the shoulder of the constellation Orion the Hunter. And for the longest time, physicists have been saying Orion is about 700 light years away. Thankfully, it is not close enough that if it goes supernova and explodes, we will not be bathed in radiation. It won't hurt us. It's believed that some stars that did go supernova that were much closer to the Earth may have caused some of the extinctions on the planet, may have caused lots of mutations because we got bathed by radiation. Well, Betelgeuse is far enough away that it won't do that. 700 light years, we're safe. And they said they, they know the distance and they worked it all out, so they know how bright it is, and that's how they figured out how big it is, how bright it is, how far away it is. And some other team of physicists on the very next day, same website, space.com, great website, go subscribe to it, it's free. My kind of price, free. And every day I get a newsletter from them. It's just wonderful stuff. And you may want to share this with your kids. Uh, you know, Carl Sagan said that the study of astronomy is character building. It teaches your perspective. How big can your ego be when you realize that we are nothing more than microorganisms that inhabit a mode of dust suspended in the infinity of space? I mean, think about it. Maybe some of our supposed leaders should take a couple of astronomy classes. But in any event, the very next day, other astrophysicists who are of equal stature to the ones from the article that said that they need to build a special telescope, because they were convinced that Betelgeuse was going to blow up within our lifetime. <clears throat> and we want to study it because we will learn so much about the structure of stars, etc., etc., etc. Okay. One day later, another article comes out, and, they said, and it says, wow, what are we doing here? Uh, Betelgeuse. It's not really as far away as we thought it was. It's actually almost a third closer than we thought it was, so it's not nearly as big as we thought it was. And if it goes supernova, it's not going to happen for 100,000 years, so everybody calm down and get back in your seats. Well, who's right? I don't know. I'm not an astrophysicist. I'm not like Bill Gates where I'm going to start giving you my opinions because my opinion is worthless. I don't have the experience to give you an intelligent reason for believing one way or the other. But it's illustrative of the fact that highly qualified, highly trained, highly experienced, brilliant minds can differ. And nobody goes out there and insults them and says, are you stupid? Are you ignorant? Are you a damn fool? No, it doesn't work that way. Scientists look at a phenomenon, and then they try to figure out what are we observing, what's causing it to happen, what's cause and effect, and that's how we further our knowledge. I read an interesting article that, that um, doctors just discovered a new salivary gland in people. Now think about that. We didn't know that this thing existed. Doctors didn't know until this past year. We didn't morph. We didn't change. But somehow there's a gland in our, in our necks 
that evaded detection by doctors since forever. Oops. We don't have all the answers. That's why Voltaire very wisely observed that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions that he asks. But you're not allowed to question these scientists, the climatologists, or these doctors. Not under this reign of terror being created by the radical left, the globalists, and Silicon Valley. You disagree, and they will absolutely destroy you any way they can, just like they did with Albert Einstein. And the funny coincidence is, I happened to spot an article at another website that I highly recommend to you, also free, my favorite price again, Live Science, Live Science. And the title of that article, Racist Physicist Sneers at Einstein and Jews in a 1927 Anti-Semitic Letter Up for Auction. So here is one of those PH, one of those doctor, doctor it, uh, physicists who won the Nobel Prize who wrote this letter tearing Albert Einstein apart for practicing Jewish science and being a damn fool. It was an attack on Jewish intellectuals and the Jewish population of Germany. Funny thing is, that was posted almost exactly at the moment that my article was posted at Front Page Magazine. And if you go to the page for my program today, you'll see the link to both those articles, my Front Page Magazine article and the article that was published over at Live Science. I want you to read it. I want you to read it. I want you to understand how dangerous the loss of the First Amendment is. My friends who I said were the conservatives kept saying to me, they're coming for the guns, they're coming for the Second Amendment. I said, they may, and that worries me because that's what the Nazis did. But before you lose your Second Amendment, you're liable to lose your First Amendment, freedom of speech, the intimidation by Antifa on college campuses. If you're not free to speak your mind, you're not free. It's game over. It's game over. You look at the situation with Hunter Biden and the computer, and the left comes out and says, Russian conspiracy. Here we go again, Russian conspiracy. The FBI has examined the computer. The guy that came forward is highly credible. He was a naval officer. It's not Russian conspiracy. But what's remarkable, what is frightening, is other than Fox News, the networks aren't covering it. See, I always like to ask the question, you know, they say that if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? That's an interesting question. They've always asked that question. It's a philosophical question, isn't it? I have a better question. If the tree falls in the forest but the media refuses to report on it, does anybody know the damn tree fell in the first place? How can you call yourself a news organization and ignore an allegation that the president, uh, the, the son of the man seeking the presidency, former vice president, was engaged in shady dealings with China. China is our adversary. They're looking to eat our lunch, and it was Donald Trump that brought this to a screeching halt for the most part. It's still ongoing, but the point was he's the first one to push back since Nixon created the two-China policy, and then he himself questioned whether he hadn't created a Frankenstein. Yes, Richard Nixon, you created a Frankenstein. Absolutely you did. And, then, you know, there was a statement by the FBI today, and this blew me away because I knew that there's a problem here. I've been writing about it for several years. And it's funny, when I write about it, there's very few comments. People kind of ignore it. They want to talk about the border wall. They want to talk about, I don't know, but they want to ignore that. This isn't sexy. Well, it's very sexy. China has built artificial islands in the South China Sea. They're defending them with airplanes. 
largely built on technology they stole from us. And so the head of the FBI made a statement. So I'm going to ask you the question, and then I'll give you the answer, because I know the answer. How frequently does the FBI open up a new investigation into Chinese espionage in the United States? Simple question. How frequently does the FBI open up a counterintelligence investigation on the Chinese in the United States? Do you think it's once a week, once a month, once a day? Ready? Hang on to your seat. Every 10 hours on average. And there was just a report how the FBI has now charged eight citizens of China with coming to the United States with other Chinese citizens whom they coerced into filling out false visa applications to come to America because the point to bringing them here was to confront their family members who had immigrated to America to intimidate them into not criticizing China and perhaps going back to China to face serious criminal charges, and that if they didn't go back to China, their family members who were brought here basically against their will would face serious consequences once they got back to Mother China. This is going on right now. So the idea that there is a question, and it looks pretty sure from everything that I've seen, but let's, let's be fair about it. The allegation is that we're dealing with, with millions and millions, maybe billions of dollars from China, the Biden family, and so forth. What happens if Joe Biden wins the election and he's involved with dealings with China and they call him up and say, Mr. President, you are going to stop arresting and prosecuting our citizens in your country for espionage. You don't think they would do that? Let me tell you what they have done. They've notified President Trump through State Department that if we don't drop the charges against their professors who've been arrested and charged with espionage in the United States, they're going to start to pick up Americans in China and hold them hostage. Think about that. Let that sink in. Trade partner? No. Adversary? You're damn right they are. It is so despicable, disgusting, and worrying. And now we come to find out, just before the elections, and though so many people voted already, that you may have a problem with an incoming president who's been compromised by this terrible country of China. And what would he do? How would he react? It's not just him. He's going to appoint an attorney general, maybe Cuomo. What if he goes to the attorney general and says, tell the FBI to close down their China investigations? Could he do it? Probably. Should he? Of course not. Would there be congressional oversight? Well, maybe. Why do I say maybe? Well, you've got a lot of politicians on both parties who have been getting money from China. But on top of that, what if the Democrats control both houses? Nothing is going to get past them if that happens. They would make damn sure that there are no investigations or oversight of the administration because the party in power in Congress calls the shots. They decide where the hearings go. They decide what legislation gets to the floor. You don't realize this, but the party in power, whether it's the Senate or the House, that party has iron-fisted control over that legislative body as long as they have the majority. That's why it's such a big deal. And if you've been listening to Chuck Schumer, he sounds like an aspiring dictator. 
If we gain control of the Senate, we're going to do it our way, each and every step of the way. He's talking about packing the court. He's talking about everything. We will get iron-fisted control, and we will make the Republicans regret anything that they ever did. This is the way you govern? Hey, Chuck, you trying to play Al, Al Capone? I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? They are so eager for power. And you're old, Chuck. And the radical left is going to run over you and Nancy Pelosi in a New York second. Believe me, if they gain control, your days in power are numbered because you are old, you are white. (laughs) They don't like you. I don't like you either personally, Chuck, because of the stuff you've done, the things you've said. This isn't the way you ought to be talking or conducting yourself. This is supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And how dare you stand there on the floor of the United States Senate and say, if I'm in power, look out. Look out from what? Are you going to run roughshod over us? Well, of course you will, because that's what you want. That's why you're angry at the selection of Amy Coney Barrett, Barrett, because why? Because she understands that you're not supposed to legislate from the bench. She understands that a Supreme Court justice is only supposed to interpret the law and determine the constitutionality of the cases, irrespective of policy. And she was crystal clear. And I don't even agree with her on some of the issues. I I don't. I don't have to. That's not what the issue is. The issue is, if as a jurist, how would she deal with policy versus law? And she was crystal clear. When you look at the letters she's received from both sides of the aisle, This woman has impeccable credentials, impeccable integrity, impeccable intellect. When she was asked to show the pad she was referring to, when she was being asked questions, she held up a blank pad. Joe, that's not the same as a blank mind, okay? We know you have a blank mind. Well, well, this new Supreme Court justice had a blank pad. And Chuck is out there threatening America with iron-fisted control. And the funny thing is Democrats are yelling, Trump is endangering our democracy. President Trump has been in office for almost four years, and we're still very much a democratic republic. No one took our freedoms away. No one took our freedoms away. And the people that have been blindly parroting this nonsense, Trump is going to be a dictator. Well, he had four years to become a dictator. He didn't. In fact, what Trump has done is to enforce immigration laws in a way that the laws were designed to be enforced in the first place for the same purpose. There's nothing racist about the laws. There's nothing in our immigration laws that make distinctions by race, religion, or ethnicity. If they made such distinctions, folks, I couldn't have enforced or administered those laws for 30 seconds, let alone for the 30 years that I was proud to carry that badge. The immigration laws are about keeping out aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are severely mentally ill, you know, the sex offenders, kind of like some of our politicians, Okay, uh, aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and drug traffickers, human traffickers, um, gang members, Nazis, aliens who would become a public charge or if they work would displace American workers. That's what the law is about. Don't believe me? Okay, go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. It enumerates the categories of aliens who are deemed to be inadmissible. That's what it's about. 
The reason that we have such dissension in America today is there's many Americans who feel, and rightfully so, disenfranchised. And I've had meetings with politicians. And i got to tell you, they've betrayed all of us, both parties. I met with Bob Goodlatte, the former chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, when he was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And he told me how much he would love to bring in thousands of H-1B visa holders and how much his son would love that because he's a computer guy. Well, if you look up Bobby Goodlatte, you will see that he got to start with Zuckerberg at Facebook. So we're bringing in hundreds of thousands of brilliant Indian programmers and firing Americans to whom those Indian programmers can't hold a candle in general. Are there some truly talented and brilliant and exceptional people? Sure. There are Elon Musks out there and others like him. Should we not let them in? No, absolutely we should let them in. But that's always the argument. You wouldn't have let in Einstein. You wouldn't have let in Musk. No, I would have. You wouldn't have let in Werner von Braun. Well, I'm not sure about that one, because he was a war criminal. Let's let's remember who von Braun was. He used slave labor in the Hartz Mountains, Pinamunda, to build the V1 and V2 rockets that were terror weapons. They didn't use those rockets to take out military targets. They weren't that accurate. They used them to rain death from the sky on London during the war. They aimed it at the civilians, and they used slave labor, and they knew that every rocket would cost so many lives because they worked them to death, literally. And von Braun actually got the highest award the Nazi Third Reich could bestow upon him. I have mixed feelings about von Braun. I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. My biggest heroes were astronauts. I got letters from Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom. I met Gene Krantz, who was mission director for Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, the space shuttle. I met Jim Lovell, Dave Scott, Jim McDivitt. Recently, I met a current astronaut from the U.S. Uh, Air Force. He's actually now over at Space Force. These are great people. But the United States government permitted von Braun and other Nazi war criminals to come to America, so it was deemed to be in America's best interest militarily. So it was probably a good decision. But let's remember who he is, and let's remember that what's so remarkable about Twitter and Jack Dorsey is they had no problem at Twitter allowing the leaders of Iran to post on Twitter that the Holocaust never happened. No problem there. Oh, it's only a theory. We don't have evidence. It's, it's not confirmed. I don't, I don't know what the excuse was. But they have no problem shutting off the president's Twitter account. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Could you imagine mailing a letter and some guy at the post office opens, steams open your envelope and says, oh, I don't like this letter. They're criticizing the governor. Uh, it's going in a circular file. Boom, it's gone. That's what Twitter, Facebook, and these other outfits are doing. You think Congress is going to hold them accountable? Probably not. Why? Because the Democrats are ecstatic over this. And again, remember, I'm registered as a Democrat. I'm embarrassed at what they're doing. Not because I'm a registered Democrat so much as because I'm an American. They are un-American. Now, the Republicans aren't much better. Let's be honest. They started this nonsense of flooding America with cheap, exploitable labor to drive down wages. Alan Greenspan was abundantly clear. We need to do what Bill Gates wants. What does Bill Gates want? Basically, an unlimited number of H-1B visas. Why? Well, we have a problem with wage inequality. We don't have enough high-tech workers. And Alan Greenspan, when he testified for Chuck Schumer on April 30, 2009, said that we were talking about workers who were America's privileged elite. These are middle-class workers, folks, privileged elite, my backside. And he said the solution to wage inequality is to make these Americans compete with foreign workers, get rid of that wage premium, and then you greatly reduce inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. Great. 
We're going to destroy the middle class or the working poor. We'll have nobody to be envious of. We will also destroy any incentive for anyone to go to college because under that theory, the guy that graduates from high school will make roughly what the guy that goes to college made. And if you start out working when you get out of high school, you save all that money for tuition and you start working four or five or six years earlier. So you're contributing to a pension fund that much earlier and you're bringing home money that much earlier. So where's the incentive to go to college? So then what happens to America? Are we going to outsource everything? Why don't we just let China take over tomorrow morning? And then if you don't agree with China, they'll put you in a retraining camp like they've done with ethnic Muslims in, in China. Or they'll dangle one of your family members in front of you and tell you to straighten up and fly right, or else your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your son, someone's going to pay the price. Brilliant. You have American athletes. Boy, my favorite oxymoron is heroic play. I want to know how the hell you can be a hero when you're playing. So they take a knee while they're wearing sneakers made by slave labor in China. Idiots. Maybe they've been tackled one time too many. So that's where we are. So President Trump comes out and he says, here's my four immigration goals. Fewer asylum applications, which is fine. And I'm a very big fan of political asylum when it's legit, but when you flood the system with bogus claims for asylum, it means that you can't process the applications and screen them properly. And if you look back at the 9-11 Commission report, and I provided testimony to the commission, I've investigated and arrested terrorists. Immigration fraud was the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists, frequently when they filed applications for asylum. So the president said, we're going to cut down on those numbers. We're going to get a law passed that outlaws sanctuary cities. Um, I spoke in front of a bunch of Air Force generals a week ago. It was interesting. I'd mentioned it last week. And I said to these generals, you know, this notion that we have to protect the immigrants from immigration is like saying that we have to protect motorists from the Department of Motor Vehicles. It's the immigration authorities that give these folks their green cards. Think about it in conjunction with State Department. Immigrants don't need being protected from immigration. They need protection from the criminals that they ran from when they came to America, except the criminals are here now, most likely living in sanctuary cities. Look at how many people have been killed in these sanctuary cities by ethnic immigrant criminals, and not just from Latin America. This isn't about brown skin, green skin, or orange skin. Human nature is human nature, and you can find criminals in every group, every race, every religion, because that's human nature. We all bleed red when we're cut. And every group has the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's just the human condition. I know I've arrested people of every flavor imaginable. Yes, from Latin America, but from the Caribbean, and from Canada, and from Israel, and from England, and from Japan. In fact, I got an award from the government of Japan. And from Africa. Even Australians. Who am I leaving out? This is human nature. The only distinction our immigration laws make are between citizens and non-citizens, and that's the distinction that Joe Biden wants to erase. So on the one hand, and that's why I wrote a prior article that said Biden's build back better is bunk, we're going to give you better jobs, high-paying jobs, and America's going to be great, the sun's never going to dim, and then I guess the guys won't ever again need Viagra. Who knows? Lots of luck. Because if his amnesty program goes through, and it's remarkable that nobody in the mainstream media wants to talk about it, although I am scheduled to be on the David Webb radio show on Sirius XM at 11.20 a.m. on Monday. David Webb is terrific. I've been on with him many times. Um, and he knows what I'm going to talk about. We discussed it, in fact. But 
nobody in the mainstream media or even the so-called conservative networks, networks want to talk about it. That 11 million figure is bogus. Universities have estimated there's over 22 million illegal aliens in the United States, and I think that's a low number. So let's go with 25 million. But that's not the number either, because what everyone is conveniently leaving out is they would immediately, and this does make sense, I agree with it in principle, but we shouldn't be legalizing these people. But families travel as a family unit. If you're an adult and you have minor children, they need to go with you. So every single one of those illegal aliens that Biden plans to give lawful status to could immediately bring in each and every single one of their minor children. And if some guy decided to spread the wealth and have kids with five women, which sometimes happens, or they claim it, and lots of luck, you have to do DNA testing to figure out who's who and what's what, every one of those kids is one of his kids. So you may have some guy come in here with 20 kids. So I'm being an optimist, and I'm saying, okay, so let's say on average, each Illegal alien that gets legalized brings in four kids. I think it's going to be a much higher number. But I'm being conservative. I'm being calm about this. Do the, folk, do the math, folks. How much is four times 25 million? You got your pencil out? You know the answer. It's 100 million. What the hell would we do if 100 million kids suddenly were admitted into the United States? They have to go to school. They need housing. They need clothing. For all the talk about green and sustainability, they all need water and food and electricity and air conditioning and heat and sewerage and health care. We're done. We're toast. We're finished. The schools would implode. The environment would implode. Inflation would go through the roof because we have so many more mouths to feed. And in just a matter of a few years, because some of these kids are going to be in their teens, they will start to enter the labor pool start to enter the labor pool. So what happens when 100 million, that's right, 100 million more workers are suddenly looking for work in the United States? What happens to unemployment? What happens to the cost of housing subsidies and welfare for those people who are displaced and can't find work because they're now competing with 100 million workers who weren't here before? We will crash and burn. Within a year or two, the United States could look like Venezuela, and Venezuela has a very big problem with immigration. Everyone's trying to get the hell out of Dodge and go to Colombia, and Colombia's reinforced its border because they're being overwhelmed by Venezuelans. And the sad thing is Venezuela used to be the wealthiest country in all of Latin America. And from what I've been reading, Joe Biden would reverse course and support the communist regime in Venezuela, which we are opposing right now to try to get things fixed there. If Cuomo, and there's rumors that he would become the attorney general, was the attorney general, through prosecutorial discretion, he could issue an order to every U.S. attorney in the United States, do not prosecute anybody for any immigration crime. You think that's far-fetched? I don't. Cuomo described immigration agents as thugs. He provides driver's licenses to illegal aliens, which is dangerous. Think about it. We just saw a terror attack in France. Generally, terrorists don't use airplanes anymore. They use motor vehicles. Drive around your city. Go for a walk. What do you see? These big barriers that are up. Why? To protect against car bombs and truck bombs. But we have no idea who's behind the wheel. These are undocumented people. What does that mean? They can't prove who they are. And if that isn't bad enough and it's nuts and it violates the findings of the 9-11 Commission, it violates the Real ID Act, it gets worse. Why does it get worse? 
because Cuomo refuses to provide the information for motor vehicles to the Border Patrol, to the inspectors at ports of entry, or to ICE agents. This creates a very dangerous situation for them in terms of officer safety, and it also means that we are hobbled in our efforts to screen people entering the United States because we don't have the information that relates to the license plate. Our people have to submit a subpoena. And then, I don't know, a week, two weeks, whenever they get around to it, when they're done with their third coffee break, maybe they'll be nice enough to send us the information a couple of weeks later. They need to know at the time they make the stop. The guy's applying for entry. We need to know. Is that a stolen vehicle? We have no way of knowing. No way of knowing. But Cuomo is reasonable. He does worry about public safety. So he immediately responds to the Canadians. Yes, sir. What do you need, sir? Here's your information, sir. You're not with America, right? You're, you're Canadian. Yes. Oh, okay. You can have it. Just don't share this with the Americans or we'll cut you off. This guy could become our attorney general. If that doesn't keep you awake at night, I don't know what should. This alone for me is enough to make a very clear decision. Because if you look at unintended, I would argue intended consequences, if you drive America into poverty, then you force every American to look to the government for subsidies. And who's, what is the party of subsidy? The Democrats. So you will have to vote for the candidate that offers you the greatest amount of help. And who is that? The Democrats. This is the way that drug dealers hook kids on crack in the schoolyard. They give it to them for free, and once they take it, and once they get hooked, they've got a customer for life. That's why I wrote another article for Front Page Magazine that was entitled, For the Dems, meaning the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. How do you get Americans to fail? You make Americans compete with foreign workers. It never used to be this way. Around 2006, 2007, Bernie Sanders issued a scathing attack on the failures of the Bush administration to enforce the immigration laws. The way Bush put DHS together, I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender, not Security. He cut immigration in half. He melded in other agencies with it. It became totally unwieldy. It became a Rube Goldberg machine. And Sanders said, what are you doing? If you don't enforce the laws, if you don't go after people who hire illegal aliens, you're going to destroy wages and, and jobs for Americans, and that's wrong. It's immoral. What happened to Bernie Sanders? Did he get blackmailed? Did he get coerced? Or did he see the light and say, the hell with the American worker. Let's have iron-fisted control over them. Think about that. Under President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, immigration law enforcement was cranked up to maximum speed during the Depression. Why? To make certain that American workers would not be forced to, com to compete with foreign workers to protect jobs and wages for Americans. It's that philosophy that attracted me to the Democrat Party when I was first voting back in college, the Party of Labor. My dad was a construction worker. You want to talk about a bunch of courageous, hardworking, honest men and women, look at the construction trades. No job is too backbreaking or dirty or dangerous for them. It's a day's work. I literally, literally carried my father off his job his last day at work. I was 19. He was 57. He was dying of lung cancer. Uh, the doctors believe because of two things. He smoked Chesterfield. I call them blowtorches. But more significantly, he worked in the Navy shipyards during the Second World War. The military wouldn't take him. His brother was already in the Army Air Corps, in the Air Force. And because of the Sullivan brothers, these four, five brothers who were killed on a ship, the military 
came up with a ruling that said, if you are the sole surviving male member of your family, we won't take you. Well, that was my dad, because his brother was already in. His brother was two years older. I literally carried my father off his job his last day at work. He was so frail, so feeble, so weak. But he went to work because, as he put it, who's going to pay the mortgage, Mike? I'm lots older. This happened over a half century ago, and I have to tell you, it's still the stuff of my nightmares. Sometimes I get up in the middle of the night shaking, thinking about that terrible rainy day when in the middle of the day I had to come and, uh, and get my dad. And that's who American workers are. So when I hear this crap about the work Americans won't do, I really have this urge to slug somebody. I'm getting too old for that crap, but my anger wells up as you can't even begin to imagine. Who the hell do you think you are to talk about the work Americans are too lazy or too stupid to do? The one job we have to do is vote, and we have to vote in our own best interests. And President Trump is now also cutting down on the work visas. Why? Because he wants to make sure that, number one, if you come on a work visa, you've got to have to pay those people more. And the computer industry is screaming like scalded cats. What do you mean we have to pay more? We're not going to be able to hire the foreign workers if you do that. Well, that's the point. Why wouldn't you hire Americans? Why wouldn't you hire Americans? Abraham Lincoln described our government as a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Which damn people? The lobbyists? Zuckerberg? Gates? Who? Supposed to be a government of the American people, looking out for the interests of the American people. Our soldiers, when they go into combat, are supposed to be protecting America and Americans, not some other country. And Trump got that right also, didn't he? I wish that Donald Trump, during the debate, spent less time trying to have a conversation with Bernie because it's pointless. Uh, not Bernie, I'm sorry. Biden, I'm getting to be Biden. That was my Biden moment. And he should have talked about what he did. Because Biden has done nothing in 47 years. Seriously. It was Donald Trump, if you didn't remember, who ended the caliphate. Remember all those people being beheaded, including American journalists? And Obama called them the JV squad. Can't do anything about it. They're no big deal. Meanwhile, they were marching through the Middle East killing lots of Muslims and killing hostages from the West until President Trump took control of the military and sent our guys and, and, and women in, and they mopped it up in short order, had a couple of the worst terrorists killed. He um, gained control of the border. By the way, that border wall is not a wall of hate. Oh, my God, it's hatred. No, the wall is not supposed to stop anybody from entering the United States. If it was, then the wall would have blocked off the ports of entry. Think about it. The walls don't block off ports of entry. The walls funnel all traffic through ports of entry so that everyone who enters the United States can be screened. Cargo can be screened to make sure we're not dealing with weapons, to make sure we're not dealing with narcotics. And we make sure that there's a record of entry created, which was something that the 9-11 Commission strongly recommended. I compare the wall on the border to a velvet rope at the bank that guides the customers to the next available teller. Neither the Republicans nor the Democrats wanted to provide the money for that. Why? Well, the leader of the Mexican army was just arrested. He's now retired, but it's alleged that while he was the general in charge of the entire Mexican army, he was involved with drug trafficking into the United States. I would argue that anybody who voted against the wall should be investigated. Were they stupid or were they complicit? I don't know. It's a question that needs to be asked. Even the courts tried to block the wall. 
Think of how much more Donald Trump could have accomplished if he didn't have to contend with the bogus Russia collusion business, the impeachment nonsense. They kept running interference to slow him down because they did not want him to succeed. And look at how he succeeded. Moved the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Is achieving peace agreements all over the Middle East involving Israel. We were told this would never happen. Well, it's happening. And you have the people on the left in particular going nuts because that's the last thing they wanted. Why? I have no idea. But I do see an awful lot of anti-Semitism emanating from what I thought was my party, the Democrat Party. It's, believe me, not my party. But neither is the Republican Party. We've got to make these politicians accountable. I'm, I'm happy that I'm seeing so many people voting. Hopefully there won't be much fraud, but I'm not sure about that. But we have been apathetic. We've been ignoring our responsibility as citizens, and that's dangerous. We need to make the politicians accountable. Everybody needs to feel warm breath on the back of their neck when they go to work. They do. It's just a fact of life. That's the job of we the people to let these damn politicians know that we're not the blithering idiots that they hope that we are. Now, they've managed to con enough Americans. That's why I call it a big con job. Bernie Madoff conned people out of their life savings. These politicians have conned Americans out of their future and the future of their children. They're not acting in our best interest. When I hear that this is a capitalist system and you think about golden parachutes and you see how American workers are being replaced by foreign workers... Of course, we're being alienated, pardon the word, by our own government. We need to take it back. Any politician who doesn't think we need to properly enforce the immigration laws and put Americans, Americans first, needs to be booted out of office. This truly must and should be and must be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. There's nothing racist about it. Nothing racist. It's common sense. You don't give money to charity when your own children are starving. And for Joe Biden to say, we're going to grow the economy by legalizing millions and bring in more people. Folks, that's the equivalent of saying that if you discover a hole in the bottom of your boat, the Biden solution is to drill more holes and somehow the water will magically go out of those additional holes in the bottom of your boat. If you believe that, then you know who you want to vote for. The guy that's got the drill in his hand ready to go to work. God help us all. I hope I've been thought-provoking. I hope you will read my article at Front Page Magazine about the science Nazis. Please pass that along with your neighbors. And this weekend, try to have a rational, calm conversation with your neighbors, with your friends. Let's get used to speaking with one another in a civil fashion, in a thoughtful fashion. And let's make sure that behind the things that we say are facts, actual facts. There is only one version of the truth. We all have to be involved. Please remember, folks, that democracy is not a spectator sport. I hope all of you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you will all vote. And I hope you will join me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Stay well. Be safe. See you next week, folks.